At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Are you interested in black and white photography? We recently created a mini course for anyone who wants to take amazing black and white photographs both indoors and outdoors. It's essentially a crash course made up of 11 lessons that will introduce you to the genre, inspire you to try new things, and help you take amazing photographs, all within a short period of time. The current price is $19. We'll increase the price on January 1st, so make sure to take advantage of this amazing deal right now. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more. I look forward to helping you take your black and white photography skills to the next level. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with traveler, writer, and fungi photographer Joseph Pallante. Joseph and I talk about a wide variety of topics, and we also cover his passion for photographing mushrooms and traveling the world. This is a really interesting interview. Joseph specializes in a very unique genre of photography that I am sure will inspire you. So please enjoy. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hey there. My name is Joseph Pallante, and I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Uh, but I've been traveling and living and working abroad for over the past 10 years. I'm currently in Thailand, and um, yeah, I've just been uh, finally you know, getting back to Southeast Asia after spending the past half year in Europe, and uh, before that, the past few years in New Zealand with my wife. But yeah, my day job is content writing, web design, and a mix of other online jobs that let me work remotely, so I have the flexibility to pursue my passion of macro photography. Uh, specifically photographing exotic species of fungi. Great introduction. I love your work. I was looking through your portfolio the other day, and it's clear that you're very passionate about what you do. 
And I know that there are many photographers who are not familiar with this genre of photography. So I am curious to know how you got into it and why you are so interested in it. So about three years ago, my wife and I, we left Southeast Asia to New Zealand and uh, we moved up to Marahau, which is a small town on the uh, north side, north part of uh, the South Island of New Zealand. And there's a national park outside of where we were living for the past six months over the winter. And it's called Abel Tasman National Park. So I was into like jogging and, and um, yeah, just getting back into shape. And I would go on the coastal track for runs and I would just come across these weird growths, these mushrooms out of the side of the track. And it just really grabbed my attention. And I stopped jogging. I gave that up. And over the winter months, I would just go on these like really slow forays and just scan the understory and just find these weird mushrooms. And at this point, I only had like a Google Pixel 3 uh, camera phone. So I would just spend the next half year getting more and more obsessed with finding these fungi to photograph. And then I would join Facebook groups and communities that specifically photographed mushrooms. And on there, you had a lot of knowledgeable citizen scientists that would provide IDs. So I would also upload a lot of my finds to iNaturalist. iNaturalist.org is a popular citizen, citizen scientist website. And it's an app that's kind of like the Instagram for naturalists. So through uploading photos online, I just get encouraging words um, and advice for you know, how to take better photos. And especially if like a mycologist, someone who studies mushrooms and fungi, and if they want to make like an accurate ID, they need to see like the underside of a mushroom, the gills, the pores, and all these other features that are like giveaways for what it's what the species is called. So this approach not only forced me to explore like different angles and compositions, but also pay mind to the quality of the shots to get proper IDs. So I knew after the first lockdown that I need to upgrade and get a proper dedicated macro lens to get the kind of shots I'd seen other photographers achieving. So I already had a mirrorless Olympus pen light EPL six. That's a, a word full, a mouthful. <laughs> But after reaching out to a woman in the photography groups on Facebook, um, this woman photographed the cover of the Netflix documentary, Fantastic Fungi. And she recommended using uh, the Ems Waco 60 millimeter F 2.8 lens. So I bought the lens and tackled this huge learning curve and it completely opened um, my mind and, and just made me even more uh, obsessed with the, the macro, uh, the microverse is what I call it. Um, yeah, and then from there, just cataloging and photographing uh, thousands of, of mushrooms. And it's just, yeah, become a passion of mine. That's incredibly interesting that you got into photography because you were initially interested in fungi. And then you joined a community and the community gave you the motivation to improve your photography skills because you were working together with these uh, citizen scientists. I think that's such a healthy 
way to pursue a hobby in the community because then you always have that drive to do your best because you're also helping other people in the process. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, a lot of these mushroom groups, the people in there are super encouraging because, I mean, when I first joined a few years ago, you get a lot of new people that join that are just, they don't know what this mushroom is called or what that mushroom is called. And like, you remember whenever you first started out, like how little you you knew, and then like how friendly everyone was at the beginning and how welcoming they were. So I think like these wholesome Facebook groups uh, are, yeah, just really great to be a part of because, you know, Facebook can be a bit toxic. Um, so now my entire Facebook wall, my newsfeed is just mushroom photos, fungi photos, nature. It's a very peaceful place to, to be. <laughs> so. Yeah, you've made it the opposite of toxic. Yes. Yeah. Cultivate what you want to see. Um, do some weeding. And yeah, join mushroom groups. Uh, join mushroom groups. Yeah, you mentioned mushroom IDs. Are those specific names of mushrooms? Yeah, so there's a lot of Latin like that you need to learn. Um, so you have the genus and then the species. So the genus is like a larger group of mushrooms or fungi. And then the species is a little bit more specific. And in order to get to a species level, sometimes uh, I mean, there are millions of different species of, of mushrooms and to differentiate between one or the other, sometimes you even have to use a microscope. So you're getting into like microscopy, you're getting into um, actual science, like doing spore prints, getting the color of the spores, all these other um, indicators that you need to tap into. And yeah, so I mean, your language, you're learning a language essentially. Latin. <laughs> Amazing. And it must be so inspiring because you know that there's this whole world that, as you mentioned on your website, there are so many mushrooms that people don't even know about that they haven't discovered. So you're constantly photographing and learning new things. And there, it's this never-ending list of information, which is very motivating. Maybe a bit overwhelming, but I think it's mostly motivating, right? Well, fungi are very understudied. I mean, most people are afraid of them. They're mycophobic. Western countries especially. Um, so, you know, people worry about you know, if you eat this mushroom, will it kill you? Or they have jokes that they'll make. Um, and yeah, very mycophobic. Whereas in Eastern culture, they're more mycophilic. They love mushrooms. They've been using them for thousands of years. And uh, a lot of people don't realize this too, but there are a lot of fungi species out there. And the global average is basically the ratio is six to one. So six fungi species for every plant. So when I was in New Zealand, uh, for example, they have 4,000 plant species. So they've got about, you know, 24, 25,000 estimated fungi species. But out of those, only one third have been identified or classified. So you've got about seven, 8,000 fungus species. So when you're out there, uh, going on your forays and photographing, you might come across a species that's never been discovered before. So that excitement, that uh, hunt that you go on encourages uh, fungi photographers as well to just channel their inner child. And I liken it to like Pokemon hunting. 
So you go out there and you're like, oh, wow, it's a new one. And people get real excited. It's, um, yeah, it's like a sport in a way. Yeah, it's like looking for treasure. It's very exciting, yeah. imagine. Yeah, and so have you ever discovered a species that nobody had ever come across? Um, I found some rare species that were like the first recorded. Uh, in New Zealand, there's a morel, uh, Morchella tasmanica. Uh, I found that one in Queenstown, and that was the first record in New Zealand. Uh, there's also some other records that I would find. Um, Australian species, they usually uh, would blow over the ditch, the spores over the Tasman Sea and land in New Zealand. So you got a lot of introduced species um, from Australia, but uh, my favorite finds are the bioluminescent mushrooms, the ones that glow in the dark. So when I first started mushroom hunting, I didn't know about you know, glow in the dark mushrooms. So here I am taking a photo of this unassuming armillaria honey mushroom. And then I do some research, I go online, I look the name up and I find this photographer He's an American uh, photographer. His name's Taylor Lockwood. And he's got a whole bunch of bioluminescent mushroom photos. So I was like, I want to do that. So I went and reverse engineered, like, hey, how did you get this shot? I figure out the exposure time and I figure out, you know, the f-stop, the aperture, all that. And I went to Stewart Island and was able to photograph Armillaria Nova Zealandia and Mycena roseoflava which weren't known to glow before. So it was the first uh, actual record of this mushroom glowing in the dark. So, yeah, I would say funky photography is a niche, but a niche within a niche is the bioluminescent mushroom photography. And, yeah, that's what I'm really interested in. That's fascinating. And so... If a bioluminescent mushroom glows in the dark, how do you go about photographing it? So you know that um, there are, when you do the research, you know that there are about four genuses out there that have species that are uh, known to be bioluminescent. So I've gone through and, and read all the research papers out there, the literature, and there are about 105, 106, maybe more than that. Uh, species uh, that glow in the dark. So I would find them during the day. So I know what they look like during the day. And then I would go back out during, uh, say, a new moon when there's no light pollution, set up a tripod, and then just, uh, yeah, just take long exposure shots with no, you have to have like absolutely no light. So it's, it requires a lot of patience. So sometimes I'll be out in the cold waiting there for, you know, eight minutes, 10 minutes just to get this one shot. And what you do first is you shine a light on it, a torch, and you get the daytime photo and then you get the nighttime photo. And for me personally, I like to have the ISO uh, low so that I can reduce the amount of graininess, the amount of noise. So I shoot sometimes around like 1200, 1600 ISO, which is like really low because um other bioluminescent fungi photographers they'll use a high iso and then do post-processing where they remove the uh the graininess the noise and uh one thing you have to worry about is hot pixels if you run the camera too long the battery creates static and you'll get these red uh, hot pixels in your photo so there's more post-processing 
So I'm a bit of a purist. I'm trying to reduce the amount of editing and post-processing that's required. But uh, long story short, I'll take the daytime photo and then the nighttime photo and then superimpose them together and then change the brightness and then the bioluminescent green will overlap and usually it'll glow in the stipe in the cap and i try to get the photo looking as if you're looking at it with your own eyes so usually when you're out in the bush you need like 15 20 minutes for your eyes to adjust to pitch black to the darkness for you to detect these mushrooms because it's very faint the glow is only like 530 nanometer wavelength and it's always like a a light faint uh, green yellowish color so another way to take the photos is to actually bring them home and put them in a shoebox in a controlled environment or a closet and yeah just let the exposure go and yeah it requires a lot of patience but when you get that final result the reward is the photo it just looks yeah really cool photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses articles video tutorials editing resources and much more we have a thriving community where you can meet new people receive constructive criticism and discover new ideas every single day here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Horton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. It must be really gratifying because even in other genres of photography, many people want to take a photograph that represents the image that, well, the, the scene that they saw in real life. And as you mentioned, that's something that you would try to do to replicate what the human eye sees and that's very difficult to achieve especially in the dark with very long exposures so I can understand why it's gratifying when you get the results that you like. Yeah uh, other uh, bioluminescent photographers will actually like do too much oversaturation so I'll see a lot of bioluminescent mushroom photos online and I'm like no that's not what it looks like and then people get really excited and I feel like if they were to go out into the bush trying to find these glowing mushrooms, they would be uh, a bit disappointed because it's like, no, they're not that radioactive. They don't glow that bright. Um, you actually have to, you have to look out of the corner of your eyes to see them clearly. Yeah, it's. Uh, can imagine that it's. Uh, you have to be realistic when you photograph these things. You might give people the wrong idea. So it's nice that you are staying true to, you know, the way that the fungi actually is as opposed to trying to make it look more fantastical yeah. yeah that's nice you mentioned the macro lens that you use and you also said that you use a tripod is there anything else that you use when you take macro photos um yeah so i also bring with me i try to keep it light i don't like to bring big bulky gear 
out into the bush with me, especially um, when I'm photographing subjects that are so close to the ground and I'm hunched over. So to spare my back any strain, um, yeah, just the small tripod with a ball head. And then I'll bring a UV light, a 365 nanometer ultraviolet torch with me to shine on some of these fluorescent fungi. So you've got bioluminescent mushrooms that glow on their own, but then fluorescent mushrooms are ones that reflect light. And yeah, those are pretty interesting. So I'll bring a torch with me and also foil. So a while back when I first started getting into mushroom photography, I saw this guy um, in Australia, his name's Steve Axford. He's a famous fungi photographer. He does a lot of time-lapse photography for BBC. He does like Planet Earth, um, just amazing photography. And he went to India and had this documentary that came out. And he suggested taking tin foil, putting it on the ground and reflecting the sunlight to get that natural light. Um, so sometimes I'll bring a, a bit of foil with me and maybe even a light cube for some external light. But right now, um, I try and use as much natural light as possible and yeah, keep it minimal. Camera, lens, tripod, bit of foil. That's great. If you don't have too much equipment, then you can focus on the scene as it is and just enjoy the moment instead of worrying about the kind of lens you should use or the kind of tripod you should use. It's it's nice when you have uh, minimal equipment, I think, especially in, in this kind of photography. Also, it's pretty expensive for equipment. So, I mean, money is also an issue. I mean, I, I go on. I'm like, ah, I wish I could have this tripod. I wish I could have that. But it's um, got to work with what I got. And I think that uh, what's really cool is when you you have the equipment and you get really comfortable with it and you fully like learn all the settings. A photographer friend of mine told me, he was just like, dude, like learn your camera. You want to take better photos, just like read the um, read the manual, the instructions and like go through and practice learning your own camera inside and your camera inside and out. So um yeah, I, I like to squeeze out as much as I can with what I got and stretch it to the limit. Like being able to get, like, say, bioluminescent photos with a camera from, like, 2014 uh, with that kind of setup, that kind of equipment. Um, it's like an extra challenge, but yeah, I like to, yeah, squeeze as much as I can out of the camera. Yeah, it's impressive, and it's also encouraging because you don't need to have the latest equipment to take great photographs, even in the dark. And you're proof of that. And it's uh, even if you're on a budget, even if you have a very tight budget and you're living in limited um, circumstances, you can't really invest in a lot of equipment. You can still take good photos and improve. So yeah, it was great advice that your friend gave to you, just to make the most of what you have and to. Um, find ways, find creative ways to photograph the world around you using what you have without upgrading. I mean, it's always nice to upgrade though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I always like it. I don't, um, I think it's funny, I'll see someone else, they got like a really expensive camera, they spent all this money on this gear, and this other person has, you know, just some basic gear and the photos that they'll take. It's like, hey, actually, that guy got a better photo. It's more about like how you use it 
Yeah. I mean, with the camera phones, they, I think they're limited to like 12 megapixels. So I needed to upgrade the megapixels. And right now the camera I have is uh, over 20 megapixels. So I would recommend anyone getting into macro photography to get a DSLR or a mirrorless camera that has I think 20, 21 megapixels is a, a good base. Yeah, I think so too, especially if you want to get your work published, right? Because your photos have been published in magazines. I saw one on your Instagram page, which is really yeah. impressive. Congratulations. Yeah, um, I had some photographs uh, shared in Otago Museum. Um, there's going to be an exhibition there as well. Um, yeah, it's nice to do something that's a hobby, a passion of yours, and then just randomly, hey, can I, you know, put your photo in, in this museum or can I, you know, share it out on a publication and just get recognized for it. I didn't ask for it. I didn't expect that. It's just something that happens. Um, I guess persistence and time, good things will happen. Yeah. And also putting yourself out there, which you do really well, as you mentioned, you joined a lot of communities right from the start and you interact with people. And that's one of the best ways to, Put your work out there if you don't always have to promote yourself even just ask questions and just share your work and people yeah. will surely gravitate to it yeah there are lots of really great uh, mushroom photographers especially from new zealand um yeah just lots of dedicated photographers that have been doing it for like like over a decade um 15 years 20 years and it's just yeah really amazing to get inspiration from them all the tips and knowledge that they have from you know their experience so to be able to tap into that resource has been really inspiring yeah absolutely i can imagine when i was reading your autobiography not autobiography your bio on your website i read something that stood out to me you said that your fungi adventures are snail paced how has slowing down affected the decisions you make as a photographer? So like when you stop to smell the roses, or in this case, the mushrooms, you enter a childlike state of play and fun. So your curiosity is piqued and your attention is focused on the understory, like what you can find. Like I said before, it's like a treasure hunt or Pokemon hunting. So, I mean, I would come across a lot of trampers or hikers that are dead set on knocking out a hike or like doing this trail or that like uh, they've got a bucket list. I want to like conquer this trail. It's more of an exercise and they'd come across me and I'm on the ground on my hands and knees you know, with my camera and taking a, a photo of a mushroom and they're like, what the heck is this weirdo doing? <laughs> or sometimes they got to kick you. Hey, is this person dead? He's been laying on the ground for a while. <laughs> so I think with slowing down and carefully considering what's growing you inevitably notice these scenes uh, you'll start to see like the position of the mushroom and the angles and like what can be achieved to get the best composition and sometimes i'll go out and i forget my phone or i forget my my camera and i'm still scanning the ground it's like a tick it's like a, like a, something i've developed a habit of just like constantly searching and it has become a meditative uh, process to just yeah observe the your surroundings and yeah by slowing down you've got more time to consider shots and what can go into them so yeah i would say just yeah go slow 
take your time. Like there's no rush. And then yeah, observe your surroundings. You'll have more appreciation too for the environment. Like everything is connected. There's a relationship, even from like the smallest things. So yeah, the slower you go, the more um attention you give to this microverse. Yeah, like you really just start to appreciate nature. It's really nice to get into a flow state, especially when you're outdoors. It's a different feeling than if you're shooting indoors or you're shooting in a building or something. If you're shooting outdoors and you get into that flow state, you're completely in the moment. You're not rushing, you're not overthinking. It's the best feeling ever. I'm sure you have those experiences quite often. Yeah, I'll go out and time is no, there's no concept of time. I'll just get lost in the microverse i'm just going around and then all of a sudden it's you know the sun setting so oh, i gotta get back and yeah this one time i was in the fjordlands in the south island i was staying in tiano and i went out to one of these uh i guess it's like an unmarked trail where supposedly they filmed one of the scenes from lord of the rings so i went out there and these trails are unmarked and i'm just paying attention to the ground, I'm scanning, I'm taking photos, and hours go by, and it's really like a, a time warp. And then um, I ended up getting lost. I was like, oh man, like, where am I? The sun setting, this is uh, a bit scary. So I had to like look at the ground, and I'm like, oh, I, I remember that mushroom, and it reorientated me, and I like basically used these mushrooms to guide me out of the bush and back to my car. and yeah, they saved my life. <laughs> the mushrooms saved my life. But well, it's crazy. Wow, you can just get lost. That's incredible. That's like a fairy tale story. <laughs> you find your way back. That's fascinating. That's amazing. I'm happy that you didn't get lost. Yeah. yeah. The mushrooms. Really cool. If somebody wants to get into fungi photography, where should they begin? Uh, so I'd say instead of starting from scratch and like building your own community, I would seek out the existing ones online and I would think local too. So like when I first started, my partner was confused. I was spending like increasingly long hours in the bush. I'd show her my photos on my phone and while they were cool, they weren't the same as experiencing them firsthand. So I'd take her out with me on some forays and then she's, oh, now I understand, but she wasn't as obsessed or patient as I was. So I turned to Facebook groups and I found Mushroom Photography of New Zealand and the Mushroom Hunting New Zealand group. And through these groups, um, you get a lot of positive comments and overall the vibe was just radically different than the, the other parts of Facebook. So if what I would recommend is when you're doing a wholesome activity, whether it be photographing fungi or insects or extreme macro ant heads, that's actually a, a niche. But um, yeah, you'll be surprised to find super friendly and encouraging folk that just love to share advice. So I say try and find local groups because this can lead to meetups and going on group forays. And finding a shared passion increases the learning experience for all. Yeah, that's great advice. It's really important to work with other photographers, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, because you have this motivation that you wouldn't have had if you just shot on your own and you were isolated from everybody. It's a different kind of feeling when you know that other people are going to see your work or 
are even going to benefit from your work. It's a completely different level that can give you a constant flow of motivation. So it's definitely important to join groups and to maybe even meet people in real life. Yes, exactly. Well, Joseph, I have one more question for you, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oh, so like I mentioned before, um, I'd like to get better at photographing bioluminescent mushroom species. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, this requires a very long exposure and patience. So um, I'd just love to document and, and photograph more undescribed or unknown bioluminescent mushrooms. Um, I'm currently in Thailand and I'm going to Malaysia next week and I'm going to meet up with some uh, mushroom enthusiasts and you know, hopefully we'll find some glow-in-the-dark uh, mushrooms out in the jungle. And yeah, it's like a super rare um, uh, aspect of mushroom photography because like I mentioned before, there are only like a hundred or so that are known to glow. And I suspect there are for sure more um, species out there that just aren't um, discovered yet because you've got deforestation, you've got urban development, you got light pollution. Um, so I would like to go out and yeah, just capture that fleeting moment and just share it, um, especially with macro photography. It's, um, you know, a world that's normally hidden or ignored um, mushrooms. So I hope that I can get people to slow down and appreciate the little things in life through and macro photography. And I think bioluminescent mushrooms are you know, really interesting and I think it's a good hook. I think when people who aren't normally familiar with this, when they see it for the first time, I know how I felt when I first saw a glow-in-the-dark species of mushroom. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Like, I wanna capture that. I wanna be able to photograph that. So if I can inspire other people to um, take up that kind of photography, it would hopefully increase discovery as well. I think it's a group team effort. Uh, citizen scientists unite, like come together and yeah, find new species, document things before they're gone. That's a great answer. Joseph, thank you so much for sharing your passion with the listeners and with me. I really enjoyed listening to your stories about fungi photography. It's something that I wasn't familiar with before, so I really appreciate all the knowledge. If any of the listeners are interested in seeing more of your work, how can they find you? Where can they find you? I've got a website, myconeer.com, M-Y-C-O-N-E-E-R.com, and it's the same name for my Instagram. And I also have a Substack, so you can find me at myconeer on all three. Awesome. I'll share all the links to your work in the description, so make sure to check out Joseph's work. Joseph, once again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I loved having you as a guest and I wish you all the very best with your adventures in Malaysia and beyond. Awesome. Thanks, Utaya. Thank you. The Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. 
I learned so much about fungi photography thanks to Joseph's stories. I hope that you did as well, and I hope that you're inspired to try something new and maybe go out into nature and photograph some mushrooms because you never know where inspiration will hit. If you want to interact with Joseph, maybe ask him some questions or leave your comments about this episode, please feel free to join our online photography community. It's completely free to join, and you're more than welcome to make new friends, join photography contests, and of course, share your thoughts on every single podcast episode. There's going to be a link to it in the description. I look forward to seeing you there and see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.